<laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Put to death. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, August 9th, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation audio publication, episode number 120. This is No Agenda. Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell, which houses the Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, still under threat of eminent domain de- demolition. In San Francisco, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. The hell is that? I don't know. You were falling all over yourself, and so I figured we'd better finish it up. There's plenty of time. I wasn't falling all over myself. I just mm-hmm. had a little pregnant pause there. I know. I always thought there was. There, I, I, I missed the beat in there because I thought there was that you said that, and then there would be some beat, but there was nothing. It was just. Dead I said, air. and I'm Adam Curry, and then that's when you're supposed to come in with coming from wherever the bus yeah, kill okay. bunker well, is. You want to do it again? Not necessarily. All right. Hey, John. Let's how stop. are you? Good. Yeah. It's going to be hot today. It looks beautiful today. Well, out where you are, it's going to be really hot. In the city, it'll be, it'll be just nice, and there'll be a nice breeze and a nice sun. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say. I think the city's going to be the, pretty much the same. It was beautiful yesterday. Oh, it was a little. It was it was good here, but it wasn't great. Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I got a call on Friday from. Did you ever hook up with Taxi Eric in uh, in Amsterdam when you were there? Yeah, he took me to the uh, he took me to the airport. Right now, does this seem like a like a pretty stable guy, reasonable, down to earth guy? Yeah, yeah, he's a little probably multitasks a little too much. Well, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? Well, I mean, he's on the phone, he's on the radio, he's doing twenty things at once. In fact, he almost ran us into a, a lorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls me on Friday. He says, "Hey, dude, you know, like." Uh, my daughter's coming back from Spain. Uh, we have to leave on Sunday, but you know she has uh, the swine flu, which of course is called Mexican flu. And uh, I'm really worried. I, I I don't think I should go on vacation. I can't leave her alone. She's like 19 years old, and he was really freaking out because they've got this whole thing going now in Gitmo Nation East over there, where they have a couple celebrities who have been quarantined for four Ooh, days. Quarantined. quarantined. And uh, and even though he, you know, I've talked to him about this many times, he was still really freaked out. He actually called me to say, "Oh man, I, well, what should I do? And you know, what's going to happen?" You know, and everyone is now saying in the media in Holland, "Oh, you know, the Spain is the hotbed. Every all the kids are there, hanging out together. They're all on vacation. They're all going to come back, and they're going to die." <laughs> And I really had to talk him down. It took me like half an hour. <laughs> talk I said, him down. <laughs> I did. Like he was on the ledge. <laughs> he was re- he was flipping out. I was like, "Wow, man!" And you know, and and he's pretty. He's a pretty stable guy. So well, uh, it doesn't take much to get the public riled up. I mean, you know, if, you, if that's, I mean, the Germans learned that from World War One. <laughs> really, you know, one of the things. What did they do in World War One? How did they rile up the public? Well, to, no, what town, happened? Town was speakers. That, the uh, Nazis, uh, spe- specifically Goebbels. Well, that was uh, World War Two, John. I'm, I'm, you're not letting me finish. I'm sorry. The Nazis, specifically Goebbels, uh, looked over at the uh, propaganda that was developed during World War One by the Americans mainly, because we had, you know, essentially we're the ones who invented public relations for all practical purposes, and we've developed a, a lot of these techniques. And so during World War One, we had. Uh, 
put out. In fact, you can look these up. I think there many of them are in the Library of Congress and elsewhere, in their public domain. And uh, there's these posters showing the Germans as giant gorillas raping women and just all, all this really nasty stuff to get the public all riled up so we would buy into actually going to this idiotic World War One, which you know costs us a bunch of people and uh, <laughs> a bunch, just a bunch of people. <laughs> Questionable uh, to do it, it, you know. It was just a mess. It was one of the worst, you know, wars in terms of just bloodbath. It was truly the Great War, right? That's what they called it. Yeah, and so uh, the so Goebbels says, you know, this is, you know, if this is that easy, he essentially made an art of doing, of kind of doing the same thing in Germany, uh, based on World War One and how the Germans were portrayed in the whole thing, and the, they essentially created a propaganda machine, and uh, it and it turns out it, it worked it, pretty well for a while. It works really well <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Of course, you need a lot of stupid people in order for that to work, which, of course, is exactly the same group of people who you can then turn into uh, a revolution to fight that. You can. We're trying. Well, not very hard. Not to take a shot of, uh, of <laughs> adjuvant. <laughs> uh, before I forget, a quick catch-up. Uh, William Tildesley, one of our uh, listener producers out there, remember we were talking about Law and & Order and how <clears throat> uh, they were all over the... Uh, what was it the measles vaccination and that was that whole episode that we discussed yeah, last time? Yeah, the measles episode. Yeah, the measles episode, and we were trying to figure out, you know, what are the ties? You know, and I, I think I asserted that you know a, an expensive drama series like this, it's not unthinkable that money's flowing in from somewhere to uh, to get these absolutely propaganda scripts onto the air. Right. I think when you really extrapolated your idea, I think what you were implying was that the drug companies, which right now are, I think, doing must be doing half the advertising on television for these ridiculous screwball, restless leg syndrome and other drugs, <laughs> would possibly be uh, grow longer, inf- grow longer, longer eyelashes. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, who would it- take a drug for that? I mean, it's, it's just doesn't sound right. Brooke Shields, apparently. If yeah. Brooke does it, everybody can do it. But yeah, I mean, particularly the news networks, just pay attention for it. Don't tune out when the commercials come on. Tune in at that moment and write it down even, and you'll see that, you know, I think it's even more, John. It may be a higher percentage of uh, advertising on the news networks is from pharmaceutical products. Yeah, on the new, during the news hour, it's it, of course one of the things you run into on television is targeted advertising. So they f- they try to figure out who's watching the news, and you can kind of watch the ads and figure out what demographic is primary to that show based on the ads, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's all about if every ads about it's all about Viagra <laughs> or Viagra, you know, it's like you're an older demo, and you should turn off your TV quickly. <laughs> anyway, to get back to the story, Dick Wolf produces uh, Law and Order, and uh, as I said, our producer William uh, Tildesley sent in. Uh, it's actually from Wikipedia, so take it with the grain of salt you must. In addition to have uh, to having been a classmate of former President George W. Bush, <laughs> Wolf was the employer of Fred Thompson, who sought the Republican nomination for president in 2008 with the help of the national attention he gained playing the district attorney on Law and Order. That connection we could have made the uh, the Fred Thompson connection. Yeah. Uh, Wolf supported Thompson in his bid, as he did Bush's, and has been reported that he contributed money to Thompson even before he officially announced that he was running. So there's a, probably a quid pro quo in there or something. But it, well, it, I don't know if Thompson's got anything to do with the drug companies. 
Well, don't these guys all have something to do with the drug companies? Doesn't every no, single politician take some money from a pharmaceutical company somewhere? Well, yeah, and they all take money from healthcare companies too. But the uh, I don't know. I I just think that that measles show was some rigged of some. It was something screwy about it. It was too much, way too much propaganda in there. Have you been following the uh, the deal that the White House apparently has made with the pharmaceutical industry, John? No. This is the. Um and the reporting is lackluster at best because, of course, we don't actually know what was discussed in the uh, the Roosevelt Room, um, where uh, Rahm Emanuel, of course, and I presume the president, had his, uh, have had their um, conversations with Firma, which is this organization of the, phar- the pharmaceutical industry, P-H-R-M-A. They've dropped the A for extra asshole convenience. Here's the deal, as I understand it. The pharmaceutical industry has agreed to reduce the cost of health care, so drugs. <laughs> Actually, they're doing a drug deal uh, by $80 billion over 10 years, which is, okay, you know, I, I'm not quite sure what the total pharmaceutical industry take is per year, but so that's $8 billion a year, not insignificant. Um, but what I understand on the, so first of all, they're, they're saying the president promised, promised us $80 billion and you're hearing Pelosi and other Democrats saying, well, you know, we'll see if it remains 80 blah, blah, blah. So there's a little bit of friction there. But the deal mm-hmm. then seems to be that on the Medicare side, there would be no caps on, co- on uh, pricing of medication f- uh, that the uh, pharma industry could charge for Medicare. What? So, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And by the way, this is from uh, the president, who, of course, lambasted drunk companies during his campaign. And, uh, and now he's just sitting down and doing it. It's a drug deal. It is literally a drug deal. I'm sure that's not going to help these. I mean, the people that are moaning and groaning the most are Medicare, uh, Medicaid people at these uh, town hall meetings, which have been turned into a fiasco. Uh, yeah, and it is a. It, I mean, yes, it is a fiasco. I'm not quite. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something. But and I'm sure everyone has seen this because this is this is the entire newscast is all about the astroturf and you know right wing groups and pharmaceutical shills who are standing up and and making a big mess of these town hall meetings. But but isn't that exactly what democracy is supposed to be? Where you could, where you organize and you and you and you organize your your opinions, your thoughts, and your side, both left, right, center, whatever. I mean, don't and we ha- express them? Yeah. Don't yeah. Don't we have the SEIU, the um, the unions, very well organized? I might add, with n- nice looking signs and. Uh, and great websites, and they've got yeah, all the kinds SEIU, of stuff going. One of the main SEIU guys is also the one of the main Acorn guys, by the way. Well, so what exactly is the SEIU and, and service employees? Service employer, service employees international union. Okay, but who's in it? Who's a service employee? Uh, it's the same people that would be. I happen to be. Uh, um, is, is that AFTRA as well? Is that uh, no, 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 AFTRA? No, no, it'd be the same. Is that as hookers? AFSME. <laughs> what AFSME? Uh, American Federation of Service County, State County Municipal Employees. Same oh, government. That's the same government. Yeah, but don't they already have great health care government employees? No, oh. uh, some do. Yeah, okay, some don't. Uh, well, actually, now that you mention it, as most SEIU people would probably, yeah, they would, it seems to me. 
but, but so, so most of them are but, but most of them are government employees or am I misunderstanding that who who is who is a member of a union that belongs to these service employees? what is a service employee uh, is it a waiter well let's take a look at their website and see who they cater to because I've been looking at the SEIU and by the way we missed a fantastic opportunity um the the title of the webpage which I will post in the show notes at noagenda.mevio.com is SEIU Mythbusters Call with HHS Secretary Sibelius. And uh, this was a conference call, which we could have attended. I've looked for audio. I can't find anything online. Of course, people jumped in and and have written about it, saying that Sibelius, who, of course, is the health secretary um, and Bilderberger. Um, I that- saw her the other day, by the way, giving a talk on, on C-SPAN. And by the way, people out there, we watch C-SPAN for you. Yes. Um, and I thought she was kind of creepy. No, oh, she's extremely creepy. Did you see her on the... Well, I'll get to that later. But anyway, so in this in this call, uh, and I've only seen transcripts of it, she called her brothers and sisters to arms, more or less, uh, saying, we've got to go you know, bust these myths. And the SEIU website, seiu.org, you know, all, it's, you know, they're praising the, uh, the flag at whitehouse.gov blog post. So it kind of, you know, kind of goes against my grain personally. But I just like to know exactly who the service employees are and and what they do. I'm trying to see what what groups are. See, the problem is there's four there's four major unions: the service employees, uh, AFSME, and out here there's some like Cal something or What's other. What's AFSME? I can't remember. What's AFSME? Here, members: American uh-huh. Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. So this is like, so it is all government. Well, that AFSCME is for sure, but AFSCME is like one of the is not as powerful as SEIU, which is hard, actually harder to become a. When we were unionizing the air pollution district, we were we were actually refused. They didn't want to talk to us. Af, we ended up joining AFSCME because uh, there, there was one of them, Cal something or other. I can't remember the name of and this what, one. What were you unit. doing at the time, John? I was an air pollution inspector. Oh, of course. This was during the uh, last hey, depression. Hey, good job, by the way. Good inspections. You really you cleaned have that no shit idea up. <laughs> you cleaned that how shit bad up. Bad it didn't was you? here before, whenever. <laughs> okay. Right. So um, I'll, I'll let you slide. It doesn't even say who. I'm trying to figure out who. Uh, it'll be in here. Let me. I'm digging. <laughs> I'm guessing it's like the post office. Oh. Well, here's a nurse alliance. There must be some nurses in SEIU then. Teachers, perhaps? Or te- or teachers? Yeah, I guess the nurses really need the health. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. So anyway, the point being that... Somebody <clears throat> in the chat room might know who, what, who's I'm, I'm in sure the... I'm sure someone uh, does. The point being that, you know, so there are, are, are rowdy town hall meetings going on, which, by the way, I love. You know, they're not all supposed to be these orchestrated things that President Obama does with people who have, you know, he knows who to call on. The questions are pre-screened. It's 80 to 90, maybe even 100 uh, percent people who are who are for his agenda when he's speaking at these. They're all civil and orderly. And, of course, what a real debate about is, you know, is about getting in people's face and yelling and screaming and you know i do believe that there should you should be able to have some kind of order in any type of discussion but i don't know if it's really discussion where you know someone stands up at front at the podium and says here's what we're going to do ask a question then maybe does or does not answer the question people get angry people get riled up and that can come from both sides but now to say that that it's being organized 
I mean, the SEIU was just as much an, an organizer of pro. Pro well, they're more of an organizer than, than the. Yeah, uh, they look they look very very professional. But then you get you know Nancy Pelosi saying astroturf, and I saw some of them with swastikas. Like okay, you know that's that's a little. Uh, Here's a guy. One of our uh, listeners is in the SEIU, and he's a county employee. So that's exactly why the SEIU doesn't just. I mean, why are they for this bill? Which is, I think, there's you know the problem with these unions because I've gone to these uh, these meetings. They have these executive meetings where where they where they train you, you know, so you can learn about you know what you're how you're supposed to do things Mm -hmm. as a union, and and a lot of it has to. it, It seems to be. I think the unions have been largely taken over by other interests, and uh, because they tell you, you know, it's just almost corrupt. I, I, it's, that's a whole show. But, but it seems to me that it doesn't make a lot of sense for me for the SEIU and Acorn to be in bed together on this health care thing when they already have health care, unless it's to pull the health care, you know, is, is, is to shift the burden somehow for to benefit somebody. You know what there's it's about, ben- John. No, John, no, John. Like yes, I, I know what it's about. I just figured it out. Jobs, jobs, <laughs> jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. <laughs> That's what it's about, man. Jobs. <laughs> Wasn't the, job. weren't, weren't the unions huge supporters of President Obama during the election? Didn't they give him lots and lots of money? Yeah, but that's because the unions traditionally give the money to the Democrats who, who cater to them. Okay. How about auto workers? Are they in the SEIU? No, no. That's, that's the auto uh, workers union. The UAW. United okay. well, he, I was a member of that, too, by the way, which I think. <laughs> Wait a minute. What were you doing at the time, John? Putting doors on Chevys? <laughs> I've actually been in two different locals of the UAW, and uh, tell me, what were you doing? What, what kind of job? I was did you working have? on an assembly line during the summer when I was a student in school. Right, putting doors on Chevys. What I was your actual job? The, I didn't get the door job. What, what job did you have on the assembly line? Tell me. Well, one cool. of them was putting, making these hose assemblies, sub assemblies for uh, for a uh, for a, a, a device that oiled a, a high temperature clutch on an international harvester truck. Are those the ones that got recalled in 1973 because they were blowing up because of some faulty tubing? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. And so I would, that's actually a story there because I was like, like doing, I'm doing this stupid thing. You have to blow out this gob of goo that's inside with this high-pressure hose and it takes forever. And so the thing flies out. And a couple of them got through without being perfect. Without being done. blown out. And so I got called in the office, like faulty pro, Dvorak, faulty part. Dvorak, come here for a second. I got to talk to you, son. And what did he say? He told me that he said I had some faulty parts and I was getting chewed out, and I had to. And I also my my speed was too slow. I wasn't going fast enough. Oh uh, yes, that's why the show lasts an hour and a half. Hoses. So anyway, so it goes. Uh, so I get to chewed out for this, but he didn't fire me, and I went back to work, and I, and I just kind of upped the ante a little bit. And I, I, That's the year, by the way, I learned that the next time I was going to get any job whatsoever is either going to be as a receiving clerk or an inspector, which I did the next year, as a matter of fact. I became a, a, a receiving <laughs> clerk, and that's the best job because you don't have to, you're not responsible is. for productivity. Did you have the stapler? <laughs> a red one. Yeah. So anyway, but let me finish the story. So uh, so I was always kind of 
irked by the fact that I, I couldn't keep up the pace because I mean, I was working as fast as I could. And I was young. You know, I should have been able to keep, but I couldn't. Two, two or three years later, there's a big news report about a big amphetamine bust Ooh. at this place. <laughs> Thinking, well, that's the reason. <laughs> I wasn't taking, I wasn't you weren't taking enough, taking enough dope. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, so that's uh, American productivity is based largely on amphetamines. And uh, oh, thank you. That's that's a sound drop if I've ever heard one. What what com- what uh, what fine automotive company was that? Well, that was International Harvester, but I'd worked for International Harvester, Trailmobile, and Ford. Although the Ford experience was was kind of sketchy, and they and they in fact it showed up on my on my employee breakdown is that to never hire this guy again <laughs> because uh, with Ford, I, first I got this job at Ford, and it was a graveyard shift, and it was doing some some actually maintenance, and then. Uh, but then, like the next day, this is. By the way, this is during the summer when you were going to school, and either in high school or college, and you can get these jobs nowadays. Kids can't get anything to do. Anyway, so the, like the next day, I got a, a call from Shmirinov <laughs> to work on the uh, on the line of the, the, the bottling line. Mm-hmm. And they, so they, wait I a minute, said, they headhunted you off the auto assembly line. No, no, I had apply for jobs here and there and then one day I got the Ford job and then the next day I got the Schmirinoff job so I decided I'll take both jobs <laughs> I, now that's a true American right there so I they were both full time 8 hour jobs and they just, I just, it just turned out that the timing was just right enough that I could do both of them yeah you could liquor, so, liquor up on the graveyard shift and I'd hit the, the methamphetamines in the morning and, uh, and you were perfect <laughs> in the morning well, I probably should have done it that way. But so what happened was I took the four job and I'm working the grave and then I go right to the other job and I would work that and then I'd go home and try to get some sleep. And I did this for about a month. Yeah. I was making plenty of money because it was, you know, these are real jobs with real money. Yeah. So I'm walking out of the Ford plant through a, uh, a the gate and I had a white flash. It was unbelievable. I, I, was, I still remember. It was just like a flash of white. And so I'm thinking, this is not good. This doesn't seem right. Is that when they took you up and probed you rectally? (laughs) So I got this white flash. So two days later, I had like a full-blown case of mononucleosis. Wow. And I had to couldn't do either job, but I, w- I went on on disability or whatever. Some <laughs> full pay. I mean, it was the rest of the summer for two jobs. Full full pay for two jobs. I think I don't know if I got the full pay for the Schmirinoff. I don't remember that because the state gives you the benefits. I think you just get the one. You get one big check, and so I was getting the. So that's why Ford wouldn't rehire me because they had it comes out of some fund. Yeah, I found and, I found out yesterday. You know, because I'm now employed in the U.S. by uh, by Mevio. Uh, we have uh, unemployment insurance at the company. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is pay the taxes over the company pays for it, but you just pay the taxes or something like that. And and if you have or it's dis- it's disability. Short-term, long-term disability, and unemployment—it's like it's like some huge big deal. It's amazing. Well, you have to, yeah. All employers in California have to provide these things. It's, but it's an insurance. I mean, it's not like you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's an insurance for like eighty percent of your paycheck. Yeah, no, that's good. Huh. Yeah, it is good. So anyway, oh, I, went, I hurt myself. I have to stay home. <sighs> so anyway, so I had this. Uh, so I 
All right, so let, let, let's get back to these damn unions because I still don't understand it. I just don't understand who they are, what they're doing, what the big deal is. They clearly must have see some benefit, and they totally understand the health care bill better than I do or better than anyone else on television can do explaining it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so passionate about defending it. Um, so I'm just interested in this organization who Kathleen Sebelius calls her brothers and sisters and is calling them to arms to bust, bust the myth. Uh, the myths, I should say, which of course is not is not really a myth because I believe that uh, senior citizens are correct, and we've discussed this, and this is what uh, socialized medicine is all about. Indeed, at a certain point, someone makes a decision, or there's a book, or there's a regulation, or there's something written down that says, you know, you are at the end of your life, and uh, we're not going to provide anything anymore except a nice way to to end. And even that, of course, is questionable, but that's what it is. You know, where are you going to put the resources? You can't keep prolonging people's lives forever and ever and ever when you need health care for younger people, uh, children, who have their entire productivity, uh, productive lives ahead of them. So that's the choice that's made. It's very simple. Oh, and by the way, everyone who voted for President Obama saying, yeah, we need health care, you are now the fuckers who are going to have to pay for it, and now it's, oh, not my backyard, I don't want, well, I got to pay for it, 50% tax, which, of course, is what it's going to be. We're going to have a, a base rate of 50% tax. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, serves you right, to, told you that, so. Yeah, well, it's the way it is. Yeah, live with it. We have to, uh, I mean, I have mixed feelings about the whole thing because uh, our health care system is not doing this. I mean, if you start looking at either the mortality, morbidity rates, uh, uh, children's birth uh, mortality rates, and all the rest of it, our numbers are not that good compared to any country in Europe. There's not one, we don't beat one country on anything. We don't have life expectancy that's as good as anybody in Europe, especially the French. And we don't, we just not even, we're not up to par. We suck. It's because so of, what, it's what because makes our, our health care system the world's greatest? It I don't, stinks. yeah, but see, I don't think it's the health care system. I believe that is um, a different problem that we are eating crap. In- but that doesn't explain infant mortality, eating crap. What are you talking about? Of course it does. Okay, you're right. If mom's eating crap. Yeah, if mom's eating crap, you know, what, what John, have we discussed uh, baby formula on this show a couple times? What kind of crap is in the baby formula from China? You know, yeah, China. Well, okay, but the point is, is that we're not number one by yeah, any means. But, that, I, but I'm just disagreeing that it has to do with health care. I believe it has more to do with how we live. And what we're, I think the world you are what you ate. You are what you eat. That's just the end of the story. And and by the way, the um, European Union just this story just came in last night. I'm going to look it up because I wasn't quite prepared for it. Uh, they have um, stopped all imports of soy from the United States because of traces of GMO corn in the soy. Oh God! Yeah. What's it doing in there? Well, that's a good question, but um, it comes in through. Uh, so they they've turned a tanker around in Italy, or I'm not sure if they've turned it around, but they've uh, they've stopped it uh, from unloading. Same goes for Germany. Now, of course, this is a problem because we need this to feed uh, our our cattle. I guess I thought I saved that story. I guess I didn't. I'll have to look for it again. Um, and um, and you know, after August. This supplies are going to start running short. 
Hmm. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Is that all you have to say? <laughs> well, none of it surprises me. Well, it does kind of surprise me because. No, I, I guess I guess not. No, yeah, you're right. I guess not. But how does how does the corn GM, uh, genetically modified corn get into soy? Is that normal? Some no, I don't know. I, that needs to be explained to me. I don't get it. Somebody just sent me a, a, a Skype message saying that uh, the Canadians also eat crap. The fact of the matter is, actually, the Canadians don't eat as much crap as we do. Uh, and the Canadians, by the way, kick our asses when it comes to morbidity and mortality rates and birth. This, the, all the rest of it. I mean, they totally kick our ass. I still don't think it has to do with health care. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. And by, and by the way, so um, you have health care that we provide. John, we've discussed this. I have health care that we provide. Does it suck? No, it doesn't suck at all. But it's like, you know. You are, can, are you paying too much for it? Do you feel that it's too expensive? Well, it is. Exp- if you pay for health, if you're like an individual, it's extremely expensive. But if you're getting it through a company, it's not that bad. But it's still not cheap. In fact, I think the company, I, mean, I think a lot of reasons they wanted this, a lot of these companies, smaller ones in particular, are all for this Obama idea so they can get out from under this. Which means what? They have less profit or they or, or more, no, more profit? More, the companies will have more profit because the responsibility for health care gets shifted to the government. So at the end of the day, it's not actually the health care. It's the, it's the scam between pharmacy. Well, it's a, it's a massive scam. It's really a Ponzi scheme when you think about it. It's doctors who are on the payroll subscri- prescribing shit you may or may not need or maybe just doesn't even work. Those prices are jacked up by the pharmaceutical industry, and they're insured by the insurance industry. It's a huge scam. No, there's a in fact a pharmacist we used to have down the street here in Albany. The uh, said uh, that he noticed, and he's like a ninety, and he said that he's noticed that once the insurance scam began, which was back in the fifties, and that's when it all getting, went downhill. That's when it started to. Yeah, blow. it says once it began, and all of a sudden prices started going up, and things started changing. It used to be when I was a kid, <laughs> you used to be able to have doctor used to make a house call. Even when I when I was a kid, a doctor would make a house call, and then yeah. I re- and then I remembered everyone saying, ha, ha, "Your doctor makes house calls," and they were still kind of making house calls. But yeah, that doesn't really. Well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, in the Netherlands, I think you know you still they've set it up pretty well over there. There are absolute uh, caps on what can be charged for medicine, and, and doctors aren't rich over there, and they in their socialized system, and it's been going for a long time. But they're changing that now too. They just changed it where. In fact, everyone's it's skyrocketed because now you you have to have your own private insurance and you know they <laughs> that that country is so screwed. <laughs> they have no idea. They're like the beta test for all of this evil shit we get over here. Speaking of which, just to break it up, John, um, this has been uh, circling around uh, the uh, internet. Uh, Vincent Xavier, have you ever heard of this radio dude? Mm, yeah. Okay, tell, what do you In know fact, about I it? made a clip of what you, I know what you're going to play. Is this the Washington, uh, D.C. thing? This. We blogged this. This is the guy who says that we're going to get bombed on, uh, well, no, there's a bomb under Washington, D.C., yeah. and it's going to blow in October 22nd or something like that. Well, why don't I play your clip then, because I have the YouTube video here, which I'll put in the show I, notes. I don't have, I didn't send you the clip from him. Oh, really? Well, let me, let me play it for you. Here's a little bit. And let me just say this to you tonight, something that I know... Not something that I believe. Is this guy like a Christian broadcaster yeah. or something? Okay. Yeah, but he's only got two channels in I, his giant network. 
Well, he's got more than we got. Yeah, but we have more listeners. No. <laughs> it says you. Tonight. No, yes, we do. But but, he, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no to my assertion. <laughs> does he have an AM network, or what does he have? Yeah, he's got two AM stations someplace. Okay, but it's it's local? It's not big? I don't know. They're here and there. There is, in Washington, D.C., an atomic bomb set in that city that will be detonated. I know that. <laughs> and I will say it again. I love this guy. <laughs> in Washington, D.C., there is underground an atomic bomb that will be detonated in Washington, D.C., that will level Washington, D.C. to the ground where there will not be left one stone upon another. Now, what's interesting about this, because you, you listen to this, and later on he talks about you know that God gave him the date, which, of course, is like, whoops, okay. Um, yeah, right, there goes the <laughs> credibility. Let me see if I can find that piece. It's right near the end somewhere. Hold on. But then how can you confirm a great strike against the heart of the United States? What chapter do I find that in the Bible? There you go. Um, but when you think about all of these different services moving out to Colorado, you know, there's, there's a lot of movement going on, as particularly moving away from the Capitol. You know, I think to yourself, oh, you never know. And then, I love the bit where somewhere in this, in this clip he said, and, and I'll put it in the show notes, somewhere in the clip he says, it's not a good idea to travel around uh, October 11th. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, I'll bet you that even though this guy's nuts, uh, and this is probably, uh, probably, this is all <laughs> bogus. Uh, I'll bet you a bunch of people w w will avoid <laughs> I'm a, I'll, I'll avoid it. Are you kidding me? Well, I'll I avoid travel. it all the time, so it's no big deal. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Probably a good time to get a hotel room cheap. In D.C.? Yeah. This is the other thing that's kind of bothering me. Uh, it kind of got snowed under... Um, because of the uh, the Twitter outage, which is by itself is all it's kind of a weird story because you know it's it you read on one hand you read on like slash dot that it was coming from the UK and then you read in uh, in more mainstream I guess slash dot is almost mainstream you read that it was coming from Russia and it was you know some against some blogger who of course had a live journal which is not exactly the same as a, a blog. Uh, but it was it was not a typical denial of service attack. It's just it's just a lot of noise, and that of course is what we were witnessing last week uh, on Sunday when we when we were having trouble uh, twittering. But this uh, this computer programmer who uh, walked into a gym and shot it up and killed three women and then himself. George Sodini, have you been following this story? Did you hear about it at all? I just read the one item, and I didn't go any further than that. Okay, so so here's what's kind of weird about it. Um, George Sodini worked for K&L Gates. K&L Gates is a is a is a very famous, very powerful law firm. Um, who have uh, they? You know, they've got a former lawyer. Well, I guess not. You're never a former lawyer, but they've got lawyers uh, who are. Oh, they're all over Washington. They're they're running the water. They're running all kinds of stuff. And this, of course, is a part uh, Bill Gates's dad's firm. Uh, so, that, and and if, if you you know, no, I don't even think there's a. You know, I think every president has had you know conferences with them. This is a big ass law firm. You know anything about K and L Gates? 
Uh, well, I, I think their name was has been changed recently to that. But I, I, yeah, because I gave a deposition to that group uh, some couple, few years ago in the Lindos case, and I had to go in there and get grilled by their lawyers in their offices in Seattle, and uh, I came away with a couple of uh, very interesting uh, beer coasters with the logo on there. <laughs> Good, scan them and put them up, because the, I think these guys they may they may actually be evil. Um, well, they seem like normal lawyers to me, but uh, which means yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so there's a lot of tie-ins, and the Sodini was a, uh, I guess, a senior programmer, uh, computer programmer uh, for the company. He had, apparently had recently had a uh, a promotion, and so this guy goes into uh, into a gym in uh, in in Pittsburgh and kills these three innocent women, then himself, and it. You know all the so-called evidence, like his blog, which of course the, the the mainstream media is calling it an online journal. And if you look at georgesodini.com, dot com, you know if, if this guy was a computer programmer and this is what he called a blog, then you know he should have just shot himself first. Uh, this looks like such a setup of crap. And then there's these YouTube videos that are floating around and they're really creepy, but it's not your typical creepy. You know, I'm going to go kill somebody. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, he, he was a member of, and actually, I, I distilled some of this. I was trying to figure. You know, if you listen, let me play one of these videos because this is it's rather interesting. Hold on, I want you to listen to what he said. So this is the video that has been posted everywhere, and this is supposed to prove that he's a creepy guy. So it's him in front of a mirror in his basement. Uh, not a mirror, I guess uh, he's got the camera. I'm not quite sure what the setup is, but just listen to what he says for a second. It is easy for me to hide from my emotions for one more day. Take a long drive in the car, listen to some music, daydream, or just do some mundane task around the house that really doesn't need to be done, that's, that's not too important. And there you go, one more day, and one more day turns into one more year. Now, um, RDS says that I have approximately maybe 15 more years to be successful at this. And when I heard that, I wanted to continue immediately to, to start moving on this. I didn't realize. So that sounds creepy, right? What's he talking about? Well, so the clue here is RDS. That, and I was like, right. what, what is he talking about RDS? So uh, not hard if you do a little bit of uh, Googling, because, of course, um, there's another video where he shows his... By the way, his house is meticulous. It's a, you know, he, I think he was making like you know, like 200 grand a year. This is not... And you know, he had just finished his basement. Uh, he's got uh, a computer in the bedroom, a computer in the living room, Cat5 network through the basement. He's explaining all this stuff. So, you know, not like a... Not your typical guy. Yeah, he's who's not gonna, living in a in a in Idaho in a in a shack. No, absolutely not. Apparently, RDS. I'm trying to bring up the link here, which is, of course, not doing too well for me. Um, oh, shoot. Hold on well, there's radio data system. There's a uh, no, 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 no. It's the name of an author. This guy was a member of Steel, I think Balls of Steel or SteelBalls.com, which is a, a, a how to get how to date women type site. And this these were videos he made for his group. Oh. You know, so there's a ah, the fucking link isn't coming up now. And RDS is the author of of one of these books, which you actually see on his table, and he's talking. You know, the guy was trying to. 
uh, you know, he would. It, it, oh, I wish this link would come up. God damn it! Maybe we should get a bit. There's a there's a clip. George Sodini, RDS. The book is How to Date Women for Men Over Thirty Five. The book go. is written by R. Don Steele, aka Steel Balls. Steel Balls, aka RDS. Right. So, so RDS. This sounds like a. It sounds like this guy's took, taking it as a cult with 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 rules. <laughs> That uh, he had to abide by, and then I guess he. Uh, well, that's interesting because that would you. How to date women for men over thirty-five has got to be. Uh, that sounds like it. Jeez, I don't know. How do right, you date so, women but, but if you look, for men over thirty-five? You just say, "Hey, you want to go out to dinner?" <laughs> and what does it take? So then you look at, at his blog. <laughs> I just just take a look at the so-called blog, John. And this is a, a senior computer programmer. And I'm going to give you so you can just click on the link in your Skype georgesodini.com. And and it's like uh this is not a blog. Wow. Now HTML1. Now, now, now click now click on <laughs> 1.0. Now check it out. Click on the life or death link yeah. on that page. We'll have a, a link to this on the show notes, yeah, yeah, I assume. Of course. Now, you so, see. Although anybody who's listening to the stream can just go to georgesodini.com and that, yeah, there and, it is. And play along. So click on the, the life, life or death oh, link. Okay. Now, yeah, it, now, go into the date of death. I mean, this is so. I mean, there's no. I don't know anyone who would be this nutty. And type in 20090804, which was the day he killed himself, or maybe he was assisted. And then click submit, and then you get this page, which has. I got a page not found. Then you didn't do it right. Did, did you do it in the date of oh, death? Oh no, I didn't. You're right. Two zero zero nine zero eight zero four, which is his date of death. This guy's a coder, and he and he doesn't accept anything. He goes, it goes dead. It doesn't even have an error message. It goes oh no, it's like, it's like the Microsoft Windows uh, error page. George Sodini, age forty eight, date of birth nineteen sixty, date of death eight four two thousand nine. He gave him his own death date. 5'10", 155 pounds, never married. He's 48. So this is, this is a, a basic HTML 1.0 page. And, and I, this just smells like a set. This is weird, man. This is not anything any normal computer pro- and Even an abnormal computer programmer wouldn't make this. Right. Now, what we're looking at on this page, and people should definitely do this. How fucked is, is this? And this, is, and this, this by like, the way, is what the mainstream media calls a blog. And a an online journal, which is hidden yeah. behind his date of death. And so they apparently he has an outline of all his concerns, and uh, right to the with a bunch of bullshit entries that are just bogus. And uh, and now he goes idiots. He he, he apparently Andy Pulkowski has been the uh, the uh, target of his disaffection. I've been in bar rooms and church groups, the worst people by far are the religious types, especially a right-wing, stiff-faced fundy like Andy. <laughs> Condescending, demanding, passive-aggressive person, frigid, rigid, linear, and totally inflexible, being a very serious... This guy's got issues. The uh, Not Andy. I don't well, know who he well is, but. whoever wrote this makes it look like this guy's got issues. Now, I'm, I kind of... Well, so, know, if you think it, the whole thing was a setup... Yes, I, I mean, do, and I'll tell you why. I believe that because KML Gates is huge. You know, you don't you don't just get in to be a senior programmer at KML Gates. And from what I understand, he so, was okay, in here's, the, wait, the, let me, I'm going to try to guess you here. Hold on. You're going to give us a kind of a... a, a 
Pelican brief one of these kind of interesting things where something he know he knew something, yes. found out something, and so he was either hypnotized, programmed, or something to get rid of him. He had to get he had to die. Yes. And so the, the, this all was developed around that premise. Why in fact, John? <laughs> I believe that he. Uh, I believe that he had knowledge of the Goldman Sachs trading program. That's what I think. <laughs> I think he had knowledge, of, and I think he was Why actually... Would he have a, knowledge? This guy can't even do it. Okay. Now, now, according to... Looking at this, you would you hire a a, a programmer who wrote the, who set up a site like this? Come on. No, break. the guy doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. He was a senior well, programmer. Which we, we have to assume he didn't do this because he probably would do something that was reasonably... Cool. You know. He would have done something cool, right? Well, either that or been, at least it would have been programmer-like. You know, yeah, there's lots exactly. of text and... And by the way, if you if you view source, there's a couple of things that are commented out, which is also kind of interesting to look at. Um, so yeah, no, he was educated at uh, Carnegie Mellon. I mean, this was a really really smart guy, but it's not like a guy you just. It doesn't make sense that he went that he went postal all of a sudden. Right, and he's got the thing at the end. He's got miscellaneous. He's got four statements, including number four: death lives. And then at the very bottom, he's got copy this to Usenet news groups, where my voice will speak forever. With two asterisks. Well, no, I guess the whole thing is asterisk, which is something n- nerds do sometimes. Don't modify it. If you correct my spelling errors, I used WordPad. Unless the names are legal or required legally to be blotted out, then fine. <laughs> WordPad. So I, w- I would like to understand more because uh, through this occurrence, I, I started to learn more about K&L Gates. And this is a very, very powerful, powerful company. They had a couple of layoffs, uh, two rounds of layoffs in the past six or nine months. This guy stayed on, so you know he wasn't some schmuck. He was clearly doing something. And these guys are not to be underestimated. So you know, and and I see nowhere in the news. Of course, you know there was so much about Twitter. Uh, when this this happened almost at the same time, that you know, mm. it kind of went it snowed under. It, you know, yeah. <laughs> no, nothing to see here. Yeah. Oh shit! Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. Pretty fast. I got there. <laughs> I got there on the draw. That's exactly what this story is. So I'm. And why can someone just go? You know how when when you have one of these so-called psychos who goes in and shoots up innocent women, they usually go interview people like people at his job. No, I've not seen any interview with anyone from the law firm. The law firm, you know, no statements anywhere. I can't find anything. I'm highly interested in what he did, what kind of job, what were his responsibilities. There's a lot more to find out about this. There really is. And it's just it's just been been pushed away. Yeah, well, everyone assumes that all the information you need is in this idiotic blog where he bitches and moans about the fact that he's not getting laid. And this, Essentially. Is where, and this is where Google becomes completely useless. Hey, buddy, useless. there are things out there called hookers. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Doesn't that guy, the RDS guy, explain that possibility? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Maybe he went to them and they said... No that, service for you! <laughs> you work for K&L Gates? No service for you! It's <laughs> called hookers. This is another piece of fine advice from John C. Dvorak, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you can't get laid, don't go to steelballs.com. There's always something called hookers. Thank well, you, John. Tell me I'm wrong. 
So uh, I'm going to uh, do. I've, I've been doing a deeper dive into KNL Gates. It was a. They merged, I guess, recently. They bought another uh, law firm, uh, but it's interesting because they are uh, Bill Gates's de facto law firm. Because I guess I guess he owned a law firm and his dad owned a law firm. It's it's like there's a I lot don't know of if Bill ever owned a law firm. He's not a lawyer. Well, his dad his dad is a a partner in this. Yeah, no, that's the Gates. Right, but all I think a lot of the uh, Bill Gates business, particularly the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation business, runs through this law firm. Oh, I would hope. And I and I bet you there's some Goldman Sachs connections. Well, that's a long shot because you have no evidence of this. Well, I don't yet. All right. Well, if you get it, report back. But yeah, you're right. This whole story is fishy, and it's not, and it's underreported, and nobody seems to care. And it's actually, and it's a mass murder. I mean, you'd think they'd be get more coverage. Oh well, only coverage it's going to get is for gun control. <laughs> they haven't even done that yet. No, that's that's coming. They'll find out that he borrowed the gun or something, so it's gonna, they're going to try to make it illegal to loan guns out to people. So one of the K&L Gates, uh, I guess with a partner or junior partner, Will Stell, Stelly, Stell, is uh, on the oversight board of the United States Sea Laws, which of course uh, fits nicely into the uh, the United Nations uh, taking over uh, all sea, <laughs> all things sea, above and below. I don't know, man. They're they're part of the program somehow. Well, we put it on our list of things that we track. Yes, KNL Gates definitely something to track. Hey, let's okay, do some of your clips. What do you, what do we let me take a look at what Wait we have? What, what is this shortwave thing? Oh, I picked this up on the shortwave. Play it. This is your health and human services small step tip of the week. Tip number 52, avoid labor-saving devices. This is your tip from the Health and Human Services Small Step Program. <laughs> so I've learned to use some of the, some of the crazy filters in, uh, in uh, Audacity. Audacity. Mickey actually said, hey, you know that don't eat portions bigger than the size of your fist is actually not a bad one. I'm like, okay, I'll, use honey. I'll do that one next. I'm like, honey, go get the paper, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's not a bad one. Oh, man. Yeah, that's one of the, the, the rules, whatever the number was, 51 or whatever. It's uh, 52. 52, don't use labor-saving devices. <laughs> what? From smallsteps.gov. Another $19 million website. Have you seen uh, grants.gov? Is that another $19 million website? No, Ooh, but I thought Somebody's going to correct us, 18 million. 18, I'm sorry, sorry yes. Grants.gov is a fantastic site. And, you know, if, if you want to help us, um, really help us, go to this site. which and help uh, us get a grant. Help us get a grant, exactly. It, it, I mean, here's the, the subtitle of grants.gov, Find, Apply, Succeed. <laughs> and I'm looking through it. I'm like, I can't find anything. But this did bring me to, uh, speaking of the $18 million website, to recovery.gov. You just need to go there for a second, John. If you, Because, um, of course, one of the uh, main features of the uh, 2.0 uh, redesign is their mapping feature. Uh, which is, you know, they're making a really big deal about, uh, if you're somewhere in the middle of the page there. It's right uh, in the middle of the page. Yeah, click here State for maps. State maps track spending. Right. Now go to, go to the maps. So you get a page with four maps. 
And one of them says investments by state, investments by recipient, state recovery sites, and then estimated job effect. I'd like you to click on that for a moment. Well, wait, John. wait. I can't find it. I mean, that. Oh, here it is down below. Yeah. Estimated job effect. So uh, okay. impact. Click. Recovery.gov provides. So this is your $18 million of work. Provides estimates of jobs to be created and saved in each state under the stimulus program. So then you, now, if you mouse over, here. yeah, but if you mouse over, every single state says jobs created slash saved in the next two years. So this is this is not even saying this or. is about as much BS as you can possibly imagine. Right now, scroll down to the bottom and click on the link for read description of estimation methods. This will kill you. Of course, it's going to kill my machine because it's a PDF. I guess you need $18 million to drop a PDF file on there. So how did, how did they estimate these jobs sl- saved slash created, which, I mean, it's not even a freaking number. It doesn't make any sense. You know, you, can you give me the created number and the saved number? No. The state jobs estimates are inherently more speculative than the overall estimates. I need to have my uh, shortwave radio stuff on here. Well, no, At but- the time <laughs> yeah. they were constructed, detailed estimates of state-by-state spending were not available. The CEA therefore allocated jobs by state in three plausible ways. Well, then you, you missed the, the most important part at the top. Uh, the national effect of the American Recovery and Re- Reinvestment Act of 2009 on, on uh, employment was estimated using the methods described in Romer and Bernstein. And then you go down and it says the job impact of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Plan, Romer, Christina, and Jared Bernstein. Now, if you uh, Google that... Uh, there's actually a uh, there's a link there. Oh, really? I didn't even see that. There's a link. Oh, yeah, I just good. clicked on it, and I'm off to the races. <laughs> it's another PDF. Check yeah, it it's out. another. But check it, it out. This is done in in January. This wasn't this was an estimate. This is this is the stuff that when the president was still president. This is like campaign. Oh, literature. this is the one with Jared Bernstein. He's from the office of the vice president elect. Yes. a non-existent entity. By the way, there is no such thing as the office of the vice president elect. So th- this is this is just an estimate they made before any any real calculations were done, and now they're putting it on this website as if this is the fact, as if this is what's been created slash saved through this. Fabulous stimulus. It's just old bullshit data. <laughs> it's totally made up. It is. Thank you. That, that's kind of my point. It's that's made word, up. Yeah, your word you're looking for. <laughs> made up. It's made up. And they're making a big deal about it. Uh, unbelievable. And then if and if you and if you, uh, I mean, I I could go on. I, I could go on. It's for just hours. annoying. You're just making me. You irking me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I don't need to be any more irked than I am. Good. So anyway, go to grants.gov and uh, find us a grant, will you? Because everyone seems to be getting one. In, in San Francisco, the Del Monte Corporation has two grants totaling about $9 million. I'm not quite sure what their grant is for. Pickles. <laughs> Pineapple. Could be. But I use the I like the Del Monte pickle. The kosher dill is a good product. Not familiar. Hey, and um, while I've got, well, I've got you on the line here, Johnny boy. So here's something I don't get. So the unemployment figures come out, and instead of 400,000 jobs, we only lost 200,050 jobs. Um, How can the overall 
unemployment number go from 9.5% down to 9.4% if we still lost jobs? Yeah, because a bunch of people fell off the rolls. They've so, been unemployed so, too long. So, oh, if you're unemployed too long, the then you're numbers. not. Then you're no longer unemployed. By that number, yeah, yeah, you're now a bum. <laughs> so we should have a bum index. <laughs> How many people are now bums? <laughs> basically, but, a but the bum. Wall Street Journal. Well, of course, that's a Murdoch publication. Now it's like you know, the president comes out and says, "This is great." You know, we're turning the corner. You, know, everyone has a graph going down. I'm like that makes no sense. You lost. <laughs> you still lost a quarter million jobs. Yet there's less joblessness. I don't understand. Doesn't anyone see this? Uh, no, no, nobody <laughs> wants to see it. But the, the big numbers are in the past because that's when they're having the big whoppers. You know, month after month were huge. Yeah. The first ones, you know, 600,000 and up. So as those guys drop off the rolls because they can't get uh, – what, what, what rolls are you talking about when they drop the off? The unemployment, the way it's registered. You can so only that means, collect so that, unemployment okay. for so long. And once you stop collecting <laughs> unemployment, you're no longer unemployed. You're a bum. <laughs> So, so is this a great people, country or what? <laughs> so, so as the numbers, as those huge numbers that came in early fall off the off the map, we can still be losing jobs, but the unemployment rate count. will go down. It's kind of like the EBITDA of uh, of unemployment, exactly a phony number. <laughs> EBITDA, EBITDA. You hear hey. it all the time with companies that are in floundering. Yeah. They're using that the EBITDA all the time as their justification for how well they're doing. We're doing, doing. great. We've we've got EBITDA. We were, we're EBITDA profitable, which is yeah, estimated before income tax earnings bullshit. Before, yeah, before everything. Before everything else. In other words, <laughs> you're losing your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So a horrible thing happened over the Hudson uh, the other day. Helicopter yeah. and uh, my wife was hoping you'd talk about it because she was saying, "Why are they having these people, you know, in the in the uh, helicopters that are doing sightseeing on the same airspace as as little planes?" Well, they share the same airspace. Uh, helicopters Which is are at the exact effect. same altitude. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's correct. I mean, you know, this this is reasonably safe. Something. There's two things about this. Um, first of all, shit unfortunately just happens. Uh, you've got bad pilots like you've got bad drivers. And in this case, luckily it happened over the Hudson. So it was contained to the, uh, the nine people, four on board of the Piper and five on board of the helicopter. Uh, what I think happened, you know, the, if you're flying through that corridor, I think the, uh, the flight level is about 1100 feet. Probably the helicopter just popped up, you know, he was just ascending the plane basically just flew right into him. Um, but the thing that was interesting, the New York Times reported on this, and the story changed. I have a cached version, which I'll put in the show notes, um, because one sentence is gone from the version that the New York Times has up now. And I'll read the paragraph in the in the cached version. In dramatic scenes glimpsed by hundreds of joggers, bikers, strollers, and apartment dwellers on both sides of the uh, mile-wide river, the two aircraft appeared to break apart. By the way, if you're jogging, you really, you know, you're not hearing it until the crash has happened, which is probably the sound doesn't hit you until two seconds later. So it's just like a car crash. Everyone saw it, but they didn't really. A wing from the plane and rotary blades from the chopper and fell spinning into the Hudson opposite West 14th Street in Manhattan. Some described the collision as sounding like a quick roll of thunder 
followed by an eerie silence. Now, here's the line that is no longer in the online version of the Times. Immediately after the crash, the power went out in five counties, but was quickly restored. What? No. What? So you, I know where this is headed. Yeah, EMP. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I don't know why it was in the original story and has been taken out. Uh, which counties? I can't even find any other references to this in Google you know, this, News. This EMP has me kind of uh, uh, intrigued, and so I want you to play... Um EMP for new listeners is electromagnetic pulse. It's um, a, a weapon which is probably much more uh, effective than a nuclear bomb. And, and if, in fact, you can trigger an EMP event by uh, exploding a nuclear bomb at high altitude. So I was listening to a, a discussion by w- one of the admirals that runs the ballistic missile defense program for the Navy and the Aegis program in particular. So I'm sitting, by the way, for people out there who know what What's do I Aegis? do. With Aegis is an anti-ballistic missile system. And uh, I want you to play a clip to name a few followed by why say it. But first play to name a few. I want... This is the, gen- the admiral. Go internationally. Talked about Japan as the gold standard. We have lots of relationships with countries on exchanging data and analysis of what it takes to do ballistic missile defense, and we're very proud of our relationships we've had. And I'll talk about who's participated. Also, I would highlight here who's who has purchased the Aegis system: Australia, South Korea, Japan, Norway, to name a few. So I'm thinking Norway. <laughs> so anyway, this system works, by the way, and this is the system that they, they jig, rejiggered to shoot that satellite out of the air. Remember that? <laughs> you mean the one that collided? The, well, they shot one out of the air. Oh, they, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course they blew it out of the sky. They had to. So uh, what am I playing next year? System I- at twenty two thousand miles an hour. But anyway, so so I'm listening to this. It's, it's you know it's moderately interesting. My daughter comes down and she says, "You're nuts," and leaves. <laughs> and then um, so then I hear this, and I said, "Ah, I got to play this for Adam because I know he's going to be interested in this because uh, it's it's actually an he explains how how this thing how the system works and how it can be deployed. But somebody asks a kind of an offbeat question, and and the guy makes a point of not answering the question in such a way he could have because he en- ends up answering the question but he makes the statement at the end that I thought was weird but so play uh, why say it thank you yes sir yes. how effective God, would you think that the Aegis system might be at intercepting a missile launch from say a barge or a trawler a few hundred miles off the coast of either the Atlantic or Pacific or in the Gulf of Mexico aimed at putting an EMP uh, warhead 300 miles over the continental United States for an EMP strike. Uh, I won't speak to EMP because that exceeds the classification for the discussion. Uh, <laughs> so the question was, how possible is it that that the Aegis system could uh, could take out a take out an EMP uh, weapon? Yeah. 
he answers the question. I didn't want to record the whole thing. He actually answers that question, but he makes a point of saying he can't talk about EMPs, but it's not really a question about EMPs. But he, but he makes this. He makes the point that he can't talk like, as if somebody's going to check on this. Uh, and, but he says, yeah, you can take it out just like anything else if you if your position right, which is buying these these multi billion dollar uh, systems that that sit on these extremely elaborate ships. And by the way, there's the uh, um, let's see, what was the name? The Erie, it's the Lake Erie, or the there's one ship that he, he kept talking about. I guess he's one of the he may be the uh, commander of it. Uh, but these ships are the, are just designed to to haul these anti ballistic missile systems out to the ocean. And he says they got one floating around Japan that is a, covers the whole country. There's a, nothing can hit Japan if they wanted to, except for um, a typhoon. Okay. Now, the thing that's kind of interesting is that Sorry. these are Raytheon missiles. Well, here's my question. This guy is currently in service. Yeah. Why? What is he doing talking about being so proud about we sold them to all these other countries? Isn't he just supposed to be doing his job defending our country? Why is he Is he in sales for some reason? Am I missing <laughs> that's something what it here? it seems like. And why is Norway buying this? What are they worried about? <laughs> So, but I think the EMP question is the one that, as soon as that came up, I said, "Ah, this might be what this whole thing's all about." It's not about you know somebody. I mean, because let's face it, if somebody like let's say Iran decided to send a nuke in to, at Paris to blow up Paris, Iran would be flat after that. I mean, besides the Russians, the United States, and all that, we have a lot of missiles, you know, ready to be fired. Still, I mean, we haven't taken them off- offline, and we would just flatten the country. There would, would be nothing left of Iran, so I they think- wouldn't do this. It makes no sense. But do an EMP attack is kind of an interesting, interesting philosophical thing. So, so I wonder if because uh, an <clears throat> EMP attack is is relatively simple. And, you know, if a nuclear bomb detonates, uh, it actually does kill a lot of electrical devices in the vicinity. So if you have an EMP going up, you can blow it up all you want. I think the EMP strike will still take place because if the thing explodes, then you get your EMP. Well, the way this thing operates, it will hit the missile before it gets to the apogee and it, it blows it up in flight and the, and the, and the bomb won't go off. What the fuck has this world come to, John? What are we talking about, man? <laughs> this is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we deserve to die, all of us. You know, the problem is, is that you know, it, 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 as soon as Raytheon's name comes up, the first thing I think of is those phony baloney patriots that were in that, you know, first Gulf War that were supposedly blowing up the Scuds when they weren't blowing them up at all. They not, not one of them hit. And they finally admitted that in front of Congress some years and years later. But, of course, they showed on the news, they showed the uh, scud going up, and then they showed the, the thing blowing up. In fact, the scud was just breaking up on its own. It was <laughs> it's falling garbage. apart mid-flight. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, so the scud would go up and fall apart, and they say, oh, Patriot took it out. Ah, John, look out, look out, look out. We have an EMP attack. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So I think we should need to look into hardening our uh, systems uh, f- against EMPs. In other words, what do we do with our computer systems and our backup power supplies and our generators and all the rest of it? So if there was ever an EMP blown up in the area, what would we do to uh, well, stay online? From what I understand, there's pretty much I, I need to surf the web, man. You know, this, well, you know, we have talked about this, that part of the smart grid might actually be for this. Yeah, I'm thinking it is. Um but there's pretty much nothing you can do. You know, if you want to protect equipment from an EMP, it has to be pretty much contained in a steel case. 
You know, so your your chips are a bit fried. Do a Faraday cage work? Does somebody out there know anything so. about EMPs? No, if I, I put so. a fair, like for example, let's say you have a, a house, and you and you <laughs> like, if, let's say you have a minimum uh, security containment cell. So which I bet is you the, your place would probably totally I'll be mute. fine. <laughs> but it, it, could you put a, a Faraday cage, uh, a thin one, in the in the uh, drywall? Or make drywall with Faraday cage cable. You know, just a, just a. You don't need much. Just like a net of of wires. I I think you need uh, like lead or something like that. I don't. No, I don't think, I, I don't I think, think it's so. Faraday cage. Uh, I think a Faraday cage will do it. I promise. There's windows and things. I don't think so. I I'm pretty sure you need a lot more. Well, I'm that. So I'm asking. I want somebody to tell us. Still following the. What do I hear in the background, John? That's a dog that's once once in, and I can't do anything about it now. Ah, let him in, John. <laughs> Come on, let him in. He's going to be a pest if he comes in here, and it's going to ruin the show. Well, he's already ruining the show because it, he's, <laughs> it sounds like he's like you've got him tied to a tree or something. You will obey. Of course, uh, the Blackwater news is falling off the radar, um, where there are, I guess, three whistleblowers who are testifying that. Uh, that's what you wanted. <laughs> f- what is that, man? That's wrong. What have you done to this dog? It's a, it's- <laughs> it's a basset hound, and he likes to talk. He's not talking. He's crying. He's like, feed me, feed me. I need some food. Please, finally, give me some outside? food. No service for you. Well, he needs to go outside again. <laughs> I've actually record, recorded this dog. I, I got a bunch of clips of him. Hey, John. He pretty funny. John, it's not funny. It's It sounds wrong. You don't own a dog. I've had plenty of dogs. Not None like this. No, you took care of him there. All right. Uh, cover for me for one minute. Okay. Uh, gee, what shall we do? Can you still hear me while you're doing whatever you're doing? <laughs> I'm not going to cover for you, man. I'm just going to cut this out of the show. Oh, my God. Let's listen in to what's happening in the animal kingdom known as the Dvorak Compound. If anyone's ever owned a basset hound, they know they're very demanding. That was awesome, dude. <sighs> so, um, just two days before the uh, Blackwater employees filed all these uh, sworn statements that the company's owner, Eric Prince, views himself as the Christian crusader tasked with eliminating Muslims and the Islamic faith from the globe and is implicated in murdering people who wanted to blow the whistle on him. The Obama administration extended a contract with Blackwater for more than $20 million of security services. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. These guys, I thought these guys were fired. <laughs> they were fired. I, there's something, you know what, I don't believe any of these stories now. There's something fake, there's something, there's something misinformation, disinformation, screwball about all the stuff about this guy and that company. 
Well, Representative Jan Schakowsky uh, of Illinois is angry about it, about this contract. Good. July 24th, the Army signed an $8.9 million contract with the aviation wing of XZ, known as Presidential Airways. This is the, uh, this is the, the private airlines that, uh, that allegedly were smuggling illegal weapons into Iraq, hidden in dog food. <laughs> and this is for uh, aviation services to Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan. This is... Oh, here it is. The, the aviation contract is described as, quote, air charter for things and, <laughs> and non-scheduled chartered passenger air transportation. I like air charter for things. I shall try that <laughs> out on my next filing with the flight, for my, you know, my flight plan. I'm air charter for things. You watch how quickly I'm not getting off the ground if you file a report that says that. Yeah. Minimally. Unbelievable. Read the whole story in uh, the show notes at uh, noagenda.mevio.com. Why don't you play uh, the clip I have coming to an end? Coming to an end. Here we go. But we knew instantly in our hearts (laughs) that the nightmare of our lives was finally coming to an end. That was a John C. Dvorak edit, by the way. You know, uh, Wall Street Journal, hold on. This is from, uh, let me see, I picked this up. One of my neighbors moved out, but his subscription still comes through. (laughs) (laughs) This is really cool. Free newspapers, another benefit. Free newspapers. So this whole story, and um, let me see, if here it is. Um, World News. And here's from left, Al Gore and Joel Hyatt, co-founders of Current TV, and Bill Clinton celebrate the return of two journalists from North Korea on Wednesday. And I love this description. Let me see if I can find this. Okay. Uh, hugs. So this is a, a sidebar. Hugs, pats as rivals reconcile. So, of course, there's always some tension between Al and Bill. Mr. Gore, whose current TV employs the reporters, applauded as Mr. Clinton climbed down the steps at Bob Hope Airport in Burbank, California. At first, they seemed destined for a routine handshake, but Mr. Clinton pulled Mr. Gore into a bear hug. Mr. Gore hesitated just a moment, his left hand suspended above Mr. Clinton's shoulder blade before it descended into a two-pat man hug. Mr. Clinton matched him, raised him a third pat, added two right-handed strokes and three more pats before they disentangled. <laughs> yeah. Five seconds after their chests met, Mr. Clinton turned to join the journalist emotionally. This is in the journal. This is the Wall Street Journal. You know, I, I need some. Like, uh, let me see. Do I have? Uh, I wish I had. Hit the some. real news clip. <laughs> and now back to real news. Mr. Gore, whose current TV employs the reporters, applauded as Mr. Clinton climbed down the steps at Bob Hope Airport in Burbank, California. At first, they seemed destined for a routine handshake, but Mr. Clinton pulled Mr. Gore into a bear hug. Mr. Gore hesitated just a moment, his left hand suspended above Mr. Clinton's shoulder blade before it descended into a two-pat man hug. Mr. Clinton matched him, raised him a third pat, added two right-handed strokes and three more pats before they disentangled. Sorry. 
I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's kind of horny. I, I got turned on by myself <laughs> there for a second. So uh, the final, uh, so the journalists reunite with families in the U.S. This whole story about you know how wonderful, blah blah blah. Uh, no, no, no. Written, of course, this is now a Murdoch publication. Um, nothing at all about uh, the fact that these two journalists uh, were on assignment and uh, crossed the border illegally to go get a story. But the final paragraph. The final, final paragraph of this whole page, the detention and release of the women have brought much attention to current TV, which has struggled to broaden its audience since it was launched four years ago. The company had been preparing for a $100 million initial public offering, but recently canceled these plans. So Because yeah, nobody would have subscribed. It yeah, thinks a turkey. Yeah, I'm telling you, this, is, uh, this was a PR move for current and uh, and a great PR move for Kim Jong Il. Yeah, because well, he he's, he's just sitting the there most. like, yeah, of course. You're like, dude. Of course, so he uh, had a shit-eating grin on his face the whole time. Well, of course, because they've uh, shut down all media in uh, in North Korea. He thought that he was actually getting the current president of the United States. He didn't realize that Bill Clinton is no longer president. Well, he doesn't really care. The uh, the, the point, the thing is that, by the way, the girls were never in prison. They were in a hotel. In a hotel, yeah, a hotel, you know? exactly. Room service. And people have been giving me flack for that. Why? Uh, oh, man, you shouldn't be laughing at that shit, man. That's not right. That's not right, man. You know, so people are hostages, that, man. The one who is whining in the coming to an end clip. Um, let's play it again, by the way. I just like the way her voice has tremolo. Oops, sorry. I blew that. My mistake. Here we go. But we knew instantly in our hearts that the nightmare of our lives was finally coming to an end. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. So the worst thing, the worst thing about their uh, their imprisonment in uh, in uh, in North Korea, John. You know what it was. What? No service for you! There was no room service. <laughs> oh, there wasn't? <laughs> so anyway, she sounds like Edith Piaf. You know, oh, she does singer. sound like Edith Piaf. Yeah. Which is the uh, correct pronunciation. So Edith anyway, so they had her on current TV. So I flipped on current TV and watched it so that the publicity stunt worked for me. And it's a dreadful, dreadful stuff. So they decided to show some of her old stuff in a special you know, she's like this, you know, now, yeah, she'll, she'll be uh, on the CBS oh, she'll get uh, a Pulitzer. 60 minute. Oh, Pulitzer. <laughs> she'll get a Pulitzer. Now, anyway, so they show her old stuff. She was shown sneaking into, you know, parts of Turkey she's not supposed to go to and, and in the Kurd Investigative area. Investigative journalism. Why don't you go sneak into the White House, okay? Sneak into Rahm Emanuel's office. Then I'll applaud you. <laughs> so she's sneaking around. And so, oh, no, we, we, it was an accident that we got caught. Yeah, it was an accident that got caught. I mean, what do you think you're doing? It just doesn't make any sense. And what are you going to find out that's of it, that we don't know? Well, yeah, I don't know. It's just annoying. I find her annoying, and I find people that don't, that can't see through this to be annoying too. Anyway, so that's the kind of thing we do. By the way, I do want to. I do have one pet peeve. I think I'm going to do one a week. Okay. It's just a minor pet peeve. It just bugs me. Play the Friends clip. Is this from the TV series Friends? Yeah, it's okay. a clip from the show. Is that show still in production? No. No, no, it's just right. it's on ultimate reruns. All right, here we go. Give me a muffin. Oh, sure. What kind? Um, let me think. What do I want? 
What do I want? Please take your time. It's an important decision. Not like, say, I don't know, deciding to marry someone. This is about a muffin. Blueberry. Blueberry it is. Thank you. Okay. What is the deal with canned laughter? <laughs> it stinks. It ruins the show. If people would watch 30 Rock, which is a good comedy, has no canned laughter, no phony audience, nothing. No one watches it. It's a huge hit. Are you kidding? No, it's not. It is not a huge hit. It has re- received many accolades and awards. Exactly the opposite is true, and Tina Fey jokes about this all the time. Their numbers are actually quite low. Well, people should watch the show. No, they need to put some canned laughter in so that they get some real numbers. This is not the point of my argument, to have you take the other side of canned (laughs) laughter. But uh, I come from this world. People are so conditioned. When you hear the laughter, it actually triggers laughter in yourself. That's not this horrible canned laughter that they put in after the just says the word blueberry muffin and a bunch of people Twitter or, you know, titter. I'm sorry. Twitter. They titter. That's so funny. Which is some guy turning the knob up and down or, you know, there's different kinds of knobs. They got the thing down to a fine art. Now you got, you know, almost individual laughs and stuff you can control. But it's like. I find it, dis- I think it's distracting, it's annoying, and I think it's insulting. You need to look at America's Funniest Home Videos. That's where they really do the canned laughter. And it is insulting, and but it's insulting to you, and only you, because this is this is. Oh, you're going- not insulted by this? No, I'm not insulted. I don't give a Ugh. shit. I don't watch that crap. It's because I'm, I'm, it's, it's below my intelligence level, John. But this has been going on since the 50s. Reality TV shows. Reality TV shows, if they're, depends on what kind, if it's the unscripted drama, there is no audience, so there's no canned laughter. Um, They need a laugh track. Let's take one of these shows and put a laugh track behind it and see if it improves it. Of course, again, when you're not watching it, it becomes that more that much more apparent how canned it is. Let's listen again. Get me a muffin? Oh, sure. What kind? Um, Let me think. What do I want? What? Yeah, turn it up right there. Do I yeah. want? Please. You can actually That's hear, hilarious. That's you, hilarious. Sometimes they, uh, well, you know, they, they record these, uh, these laughters. Usually they record it right before the show is taped. Uh, and they have everyone applaud and laugh. And they have comedians come out and tell jokes. So they actually record the audience really laughing. But they'll use, sometimes you'll hear, like, there'll be one woman go, <laughs> You'll hear that over and over and over again in the canned laughter. Please take your time. It's an important decision. Not like, say, I don't know, deciding to marry someone. This is about a muffin. Blueberry. Blueberry it is. Thank you. But this has been going on since the 50s, John. There's nothing new I hate. I just said it's a pet peeve. I wanted to bring it up. I was was just flipping around. I turned off current TV, and of course, I was highly annoyed by that. And so then I turned this on, and I saw this. This is I I can't take it, so I had to uh, record this and complain. It's just a moment of complaint. That's cool. Keith Ray, one of our producers, sent us uh, a fabulous offer, which uh, I will put in our show notes because any one of our producers may want to jump on this. It's a great deal. American Airlines flight to Moscow, $199 one way. (laughs) <laughs> one way I like I that part I love that <laughs> one way this is probably a good time of the year to go to Moscow or Moscow is it Moscow or Moscow Mokba 
Yeah, well, that's probably what it really is. So I think it's about time we discuss some of the uh, benefits of contributing to the show. Yes, let me uh, let me bring up. Uh, can I do a couple of the the women here? <laughs> let me rephrase that. Can I read some Tell of the emails from our from our female donators? Sure. Okay, uh, Tanya Wyman. Uh, donated $161.80. Of course, thank you very much. Uh, here's what she says. Thanks so much for bringing us the real, real news twice a week, every week. Just made my second donation. A bit late for Sunday's show, but I was delayed prepping a batch of crockpot chili. Yep. <laughs> August in New York City, but it's actually a bit chilly here for August anyway. Go figure. Anyway, this time it's in the amount of $161.80, which does mean something. I'll give you a couple of hints. It's related to fractals, and the decimal point is two places off. John, can you figure it out? 161.80, and it's related to fractal. 161, so it would be two places off, which means it's either 1.618 or 16180.1618, which is what it has to be. It has to go that way because otherwise it makes no sense. She could have given us, you know, 16 bucks. So it would be uh, 16180. So I would assume it's a date, like 1 uh, 16th of January, but that would be a European style of dating. So it wouldn't be that. It would be 16180. I don't know. What do you got? I don't have anything. No. Well, maybe somebody in the chat room can figure this out. I'm going to actually go look at the chats as they come in. And she does say she hopes to become another female knight at some point, uh, at least on the lay- on the layaway program. Uh, and she says, if you guys do the No Agenda dinner in New York City, I'm definitely there. Cool. Okay, we got. I'll put the mailing list thing up this week for the for the dinner, so people can go to noagenda.squarespace.com and and put the name on the mailing list, or they can go to dvorak.org/na. And uh, this one uh, I liked a lot. This email from Eleanor Schultes. Aloha, John and Adam. I am a listener producer who is coming to you from a grass hut in Gitmo Nation, Mid Pacific, on Oahu, Hawaii. My boyfriend turned me on to your show a few months back, and I've been hooked ever since. We have a blast listening to the jingles amidst the theories, conspiracies, and truths surrounding all things Gitmo. Look, let me be clear on why I'm tossing in my donation for the Armory Winery Library and Linguisa Sausagery, which, by the way, is the unofficial state sausage. We call it Portuguese sausage. My boyfriend, John Foley, is celebrating his birthday on August 12th. Uh, It's a bit hard to buy a gift for him, so I figured I'd give a gift in his name, to, to, to something we both enjoy. My donation of $69.40 represents his birth year and his age, born in 1969, turning 40. I hope this is enough of a donation to allow a quick happy birthday during your donation shout-outs. Thank you both for your insight, commentary, and wit, and keeping up the great work. In the meantime, we will be searching for the long-lost Obama birth certificate and hunkering down in our bunkers to avoid two to the islands from Kim Jong-il while voting for jobs. Yay! Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs! By the way... yeah, so sorry. together we should just say happy birthday, John Foley. What, okay. Want to do it? Yeah, one, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, John Foley. John Foley. <laughs> it doesn't work with Skype, does it? Uh, no, not at all, but it's pretty funny, <laughs> I'm sure. So but, somebody says that 1.618 is phi, which is some constant. I never heard of phi. Phi? It's phi, P-H-I, yeah. The guy says, not pi, phi. I don't know what phi is. Hmm. It would be nice if he explained it. 
But anyway, some constant. Well, here, here's some other people that gave us some uh, funding. Our new producers, Adam Prabola, $50. He's in Bensonville, Illinois. And by the way, Eleanor Schultz is in Wyania, which is like a really nice little town. Uh, Adam Prabola, Prabola or Prabola, uh, Bensonville, Illinois. Uh, Joe Wynady, W-E-I-N-A-D-Y, in Bowling Green, Ohio. Again, we have Americans. That's Travis good. Travis, and he's 50, and Travis Wynn, everybody's 50 except uh, one. Uh, Travis Wynn is in Hammett, California, uh, 50. Tristan Lennon, which uh, is a, this is a second uh, donation of 50 from Wagga Wagga, New South, North, something Southwest Territory, something in Australia. But Wagga Wagga is the name of the town. Yeah, thanks, Tristan. Appreciate the second donation, man. That's cool. Uh, Jeff Barron in Woodstock, Georgia. Hmm. He actually has power there. Uh, and then we have... Uh, <laughs> Why are you insulting people like that? <laughs> that's just, Don't do that's it. Not insulting They're him. keeping us on the air and you're insulting them. <laughs> no, it's just Woodstock. Seems like a like an out there, out there place. I live in Woodstock, Georgia. We got so, power. Uh, a Roman... Uh, I think it's Libimov. It's L-Y-U-B-I-M-O-V. Who's in uh, Vode, Switzerland, which I believe is one of those places that uh, uh, it's like Gestadt, I think, one of these places where there's a lot of famous rich people staying. How do you spell it? V A U D. Vode. Hmm. Probably a lot of. Uh, on the, I'm not going to say it. Yeah, rich people. Right. Well, I would say that there's some something going on because he gave us two donations, one fifty, but he, just to make his point, he would give us a number nineteen dollars and seventeen cents. Which I think is when the IRS was invented, right? Nineteen seventeen, I think. I don't know. I wasn't around then. I I was just a kid. <laughs> uh, Johnny, but anyway, thanks. That's a good thanks for the donation, Roman. Uh, Johnny Santos, fifty. Uh, Peter uh, Smilikov. Smilikov. Did I have him? I think I had him before. Galloway, Ohio, fifty-seven forty-four. Matthew Bellamar. By the way, anyone who contributes like during these hours sometimes will get mentioned twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Matthew Bellamar, Wolcott, Connecticut, uh, fifty dollars. Uh, John Tarita or Tarada in Pasadena, fifty. And uh, that's about it. Now I, I, Peter, I, I, I want more from uh, Matthew Wilson who sent us. Uh, an interesting number, $78.65, and he actually um, explains what it is. Can you guess? $78.65? 78, no. Okay. 78 is the ASCII decimal number for N, and 65 is ASCII decimal number for A. Oh, cute. Yeah, I like cute. that. Cute. Yeah, thank you very much, man. Yeah, we never get that stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh, New no. South Wales, by the way, is what NSW stands for. Uh, anyway. Uh, no, Australia. Uh, Smilikov's um, 5744 is not explained. Do we have any idea what that is? 5744? 5744. Oh, no, never mind. This was an old one. That's right. That's our two ages, supposedly. <laughs> He's getting way too much credit for this. <laughs> and, cor- I, I and correct you are. 5744, right on the money. You wish... <laughs> you wish if you the really want is, to send that, that amount it is 6544 65 bull 64 then no oh, you all you have to do is look it up in the new york times exactly bring john i have an important message for you okay because it will not put seniors in a position of being put to death by their government that's just for you
I need that clip so I can. Oh, I have that clip. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put the you. yay at the end. I'm going to put the yay at the end of that one. Hey, I just wanted to mention for get wait before you mention anything. Uh-huh. Both Michael Atkinson and Corian from Holland. Michael Atkinson, in particular, Corine. he's in. Corine. He's in. Corine. He's in Namibia, and he knows how to do crop circles. He says that particular one that we're talking about is easy to do, and he has all the geometrics. He says he says it's done with ropes, and he says you you do the stakeouts, and he says it's much easier to do these things at night because you can use the because flashlights can be used as as uh, methodologies for creating a straight line that you can't do during the day. And he says they're brain dead easy. He said three four hours you get one of those done. And and the uh, okay, Kareen and Holland I, says I suggest- and Holland Kareen and Holland mentioned that the Firefox logo was done, and she said turned me on to three or four people who did it and she said that they can easily copy this stuff john and so john. the question is are you going to put up three hundred fifty thousand dollars for this challenge john invest in a plane ticket you've got 15 hours you can do it in broad daylight you can do it with your flashlights i want a replica of what is taking place in wiltshire yeah. go ahead and and you can go yeah, and go the ahead and try bar. to rest the gold bar from your cold dead hands <laughs> New guidelines and rules for the media in Ireland as we have the do-over of the Lisbon Treaty referendum vote coming up. Uh, They are now in effect as of uh, last Friday. Two changes have been made to the guidelines. They were implemented following consideration of the guidelines that the BCI board, the Broadcasting Commission of Ireland, uh, put into place. They're intended to clarify the means by which broadcasters allocate airtime during the period when the guidelines are in operation. So um, this is how they're doing it. Uh, there's no requirement to allocate an absolute equality of airtime to opposing sides of the referendum debate during editorial coverage. The guidelines require broadcasters to ensure that the proportion of airtime allocated to both sides <clears throat> must be fair to all interests and undertaken in a transparent manner. Okay. That sounded to me like it wasn't fair. And then secondly, the guidelines clarify the requirement to ensure that the total time allocated to political party broadcasts will result in equal airtime being afforded to parties that support the referendum proposals and those that oppose them. So... If it's editorial coverage, it's free-for-all, but if it's actual uh, political party broadcasts and often with state-run media, you know, uh, political parties get time allocated to them, uh, which I think, I think that's pretty much standard. Uh, that will have to remain um, on equal time allocation. But uh, no requirement to allocate an absolute equality of airtime to opposing sides of the referendum debate during editorial coverage. <clears throat> In other words, slant it as you will. Mm. And that's now the rules. So I guess we've got a yes vote coming up. Yeah, well, eventually. They just keep r- running it by. I'm pretty sure they'll do one at midnight on Sunday and you know, see what happens. So Feigenbaum's constant is what this is supposed to be. Uh, that phi, but I'm looking at the Wikipedia <laughs> entry. Still on that. <laughs> That's just one of those things. I love it. What's it used for? Anyway, okay. So uh, you have uh, you had a couple, couple clips less. No, nothing we want yeah, to play. Yeah, we can use run them next time. What's the Vivek? Thing? Well, this this guy that's their C the CIO of the U.S. Vivek. What is the Vivek? 
Well, that's it, I think it'd be better because it's, it's a whole rant that... Uh, okay. You want to do that next time then, perhaps? Yeah, this is, uh, what's his name, uh, Vivek Kundra, uh, who is this Federal's chief information officer. Oh, at the I, I saw that. Oh, I, I saw that panel they were doing on C-SPAN. The guy's an idiot. He's a total dweeb. He's like one of these Silicon Valley jackasses and dockers that walks around and talks about, one day, imagine we'll have a holodeck. And you can actually just say, computer, make it look like this. Yes, he, did, he actually did that. I saw that. I'm telling you, I, we've been watching C-SPAN at the same time again, John. Why don't you just come over here and live with me? Do you have that? I didn't hear you. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> hey, Mimi, did you hear that? Yeah, uh, she'll give me crap about it later. You don't, you don't have that, uh, that actual clip, do you? Uh, not, I don't have the. I might have the holodeck one. I got two clips, but I got a, a few more lined up. So okay. it'd be better if we talked about them next yeah. week. Get the holodeck clip because that's just hilarious. And that guy is a total dork. He's like an <laughs> Indian Anthony Robbins. It's he's weird. He's terrible, and he says weird stuff. Yeah. In fact, his sentences make no sense, <laughs> and he just rambles about and, stuff. It's a bunch of buzzwords. And he rambles and rambles, and then he winds up his point, and everyone, the audience, is like, "Huh?" At the end, his last <laughs> final point, there were two. Two real geeks that were in that were kind of sitting there at the at the, at the, at the on the panel, and they were looking at each other like, "Is huh? this guy insane?" <laughs> Answer: Yes, he is completely insane. Vivek, that's right. I saw that exact thing about broad the broadband bill or something. Yeah. Incredibly important. We have broadband. Yeah. All right. All right, bro. Thanks. Cool job. Good gig. See you on the holodeck. Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell which houses the Crackpot Command Center in San Francisco, Gitmo Nation West. I'm Adam Curry. And from Silicon Valley North, uh, with a reminder to try to get us some grants, go to Dvorak.org slash NA and try to give us some uh, funding. We need it. And also sign up for one of our fabulous dinners that we're going to do probably first in Las Vegas. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of No Agenda. <laughs>